Well, um, we've been in a series called God is With You, and uh, I believe we're getting close to wrapping this up, but uh, we're going to continue tonight. Hebrews 13, 5, it says, Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you, you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? It said in verse 5, I will never leave you nor forsake you. The Lord is with us. He will not leave us. Ever. In the NLT, uh, verse 5 says, For he has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. Never. He'll never fail us. Sometimes there's a fear of, you know, because of various circumstances, because of, you know, circum, uh, conditions. Maybe when we were growing up, maybe different times in life, there can be a fear of uh, somebody failing us or people abandoning us. You know, maybe somebody you trust betrayed you, uh, didn't come through for you, and there can be a nagging fear that that's going to happen with God. That somehow when you need him, he's not going to be there. But that's not true with him. It may have been true with the person. People can fail you, but God will not. He said, I'll never fail you. I will never abandon you. Amen. Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So he said, don't fear, I'm with you. Look at John 14, 15. We read this uh, last few weeks. just want to touch on it. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. So the Lord said that we would have a helper, which we, we talked about that some a few weeks ago, but that's the person of the Holy Spirit and the presence of God that indwells us is the person of the Holy Spirit, and He goes with us wherever we go. He is with us wherever we go. And it's not by feeling or emotion that we perceive that. The presence of God is not, Him being with us is not perceived by what you feel. And it's not perceived by, by your emotion. You know, it's not because you feel he's there. It's, it's by faith that you accept what he said and act on it. But it takes, pre it takes practice to stay conscious of his presence. It takes practice to do that. Because if you just go by what you see and feel, you'll say, oh, where'd he go? What happened? I thought he was with me, if you're going by what you feel. So in this realm, 
it's something that we need to press into and work on. Practicing the presence of God is something that we have to actively do, that we have to be conscious of. Otherwise, we'll get swept in to what the world does. And it, it can take effort to do that. Look at Romans 14, 17. It says, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Well, where is the Holy Spirit? He's with us. He's in us. And this is talking about what is in the Holy Spirit. Look at Acts 3.19. It says, Repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Well, the Lord is with us. Now, you can have the manifest presence of God in uh, you know, certain settings, um, and that's, that's one thing. But some people are looking for a feeling or a goosebump throughout their life, and if they don't sense that, then they, they feel like it's careful. I mean, I should say all of us can be tempted to feel like that, that he's not there. And if we walk like that, we'll be up, up and down, and we'll feel like, well, he's there, but now he's not there. He, I really feel him today. I sense his presence. Well, you can sit, you can, you can um, be blessed spiritually, and you could even, I mean, some things that go over into the physical. But if you look toward those things, if you look toward a feeling, then we're going to miss out on actually experiencing his presence a whole lot of the time. Because I don't know about you, but I mean, you go through a lot of stuff throughout the week. You know, you're shopping in the grocery store. Maybe you're dealing with the client or whatever. You don't necessarily, you know, you're not just basking in the presence of God as in sometimes you do in special times, but you can experience the presence of God throughout those times. And so if we make it such that it's got to look like this, then we're going to miss out on what he wants us to experience a good portion of our life because life isn't all just, you know, floating, like floating through the clouds, just all spiritual. There's natural stuff you got to do. Thank God that he's not just there, you know, in certain times when we can get all alone and be quiet and have every noise gone. And, you know, you have your music on and then he's there. Well, thank you. He can be there. Thank God he's there. He never left. But if we got to get to that point before we say, oh, God's here, then what about in the middle of traffic when you really need his peace? Where'd he go? He's right there. We can become more aware of the spiritual. We can practice becoming more aware of the spiritual. See, we are a spirit being. We live in a body, we have a, a soul, mind, will, and emotions. The spiritual is going to, has existed, will exist forever. Your body, we know that, that's not going to exist forever, not this body. 
Your mind you're going to have forever. Your brain will go in the ground, but your mind you're going to have. Your mind is not your brain. Your brain, any more than you know, your spirit that articulates your body, is not the same thing. Well, your mind's just thinking through your brain. Your brain's going to go in the ground, but you'll still know who you are and have memory and everything in heaven. The Bible says so. You know, it talks about uh, Jesus was given the illustration of Lazarus and the rich man. And uh, we can go into that, but you know, that you'll have your mind. But we can become more aware of the spiritual. Well, where does the Holy Spirit dwell? He's in your, your spirit, which is articulating your body. You know, so he's in there. But you're not going by your body. You're not going by your senses to perceive what he's doing and perceive his presence. We can come become more spiritually uh, tuned in to where we're more aware of what he's doing and the fact that he's with us even in the midst of something that's very stressful, naturally speaking. Even when something is pressure, putting pressure on us. 1 Thessalonians 5.16, let's look at that. So before there, let's go to Psalm 16 and then we'll come back to the other one. It says, you, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. That sounds like what, we were, what it was saying in Acts, that times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord. In Romans it said, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. This is in, uh, the psalmist is saying, in your presence is fullness of joy. Well, let me ask you a question. Are we in his presence? If you're a Christian, the answer is yes. I mean, yes, God is everywhere. But I'm saying, and so you could say, well, you're always in his presence. It's more degree, uh, less a degree of what you're sensing and what you're discerning. But as a Christian, you know he is in you. And there's fullness of joy in his presence. Well, the more we pick up and start tuning into the fact that he's always there, practicing that presence of God, the more that we can experience joy in the face of something trying us. Because that doesn't have anything to do with circumstance. I mean, think about it. If he's there, if his presence is there, doesn't matter what's going on. But you've got to look at something the world doesn't look at. You've got to look at something different. You've got to be aware of something you, your mind can't your, your natural mind can't perceive, your senses can't perceive, your, your physical eyes can't perceive. You can't pick up the Spirit of God with your vision system unless He manifests Himself in this natural realm, but normally you can't pick it up. You can't pick it up with your hearing system. You can't pick it up with your touch or your taste and smell. 
It doesn't, he doesn't register on any of that. You don't experience fullness of joy in his presence because you saw something. He, most of the time you're not going to see him. You're not going to hear him. Now you hear him on the inside, not audible voice, but he'll, he'll speak to us and bear witness with our spirit, come up, but you, your natural senses don't pick him up. Well, so if we're, if we're then going to walk through this realm, we're going to have to tune in to something different to be able to sense that he's there. In doing that, we're going to have to, on purpose, bring our attention back. Because just walking through life, it's going to get pulled off. Just by walking through life. Just by having an appointment here, or you're in traffic, or you got a job assignment, you're using your natural senses. You are seeing an email. You are seeing the red light, or the traffic, or the sale you know, in the supermarket, or you know, your coworker. Well, that, that's jerking you back into the natural. I mean, have you ever, you're, you're just experiencing the presence of God, you know, maybe you're driving somewhere and you got music playing and then, you know, you get somewhere and you was just like, oh, so real. And then somebody says something or does something, jerks you out and you're like, that, that feeling, if you will, that's, that's gone and now there's something else. Everybody experience that? Maybe somebody's yelling at you. You know, you're so into it that you're not driving the way you ought to. You know, you don't want to go too far. The light's green. <clears throat> go. <laughs> Jerks you back in. Well, can we live with an awareness of his presence while still functioning in this world and getting stuff done? Yes, we can without going into the mode that you're just, you know, worthless on the earth because, you know, you're in his presence. We don't want to do that. That's not a good witness. It can be dangerous. You know, if you have, you're operating a chainsaw, you don't want to get lost in the presence of God. You might be heading to the hospital. I'm not going to be graphic. I'll move on. 1 Thessalonians 5.16, it says, Rejoice always and pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Is it possible to rejoice always? So, I mean, if we're talking about sensing the presence of God, practicing the presence of God. Well, here's some examples. Is it, is it possible to rejoice always? Is it possible to pray without ceasing? Well, what's prayer? This communion with God. Is that possible? Some people say, well, that's not possible. Sure it is. Have you ever, no, don't raise your hand, but pretty much everybody has. Have you ever been in a situation where you were worrying about something all the time? It just didn't leave you. All the time, it's hammering you. You wake up, 
You're trying to drive, trying to forget, but there's just something sitting here. Doesn't have to be that way, but surely everybody has probably experienced that at some point in another. Don't have to, but more than likely has. Well, that same way, praying without ceasing, you're in an attitude of prayer. You're aware of God. I mean, if you're praying without ceasing, who are you praying to? Well, you got to be, you're, you're, you're aware of him. Well, you can be aware that he's, in, he's there, and that awareness can be, that awareness of his presence and who he is can be there all the time, even when you're going about your business, just like worry and anxiety, fear could be. It's just what we focus on. It's just what we put our, 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 our hearts to. Your mind's part of it. It says, in everything give thanks. Well, again, that's, that's what we're focusing on. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So it's something that we practice. One of my instructors in Rhema used this example. Now, if I, I can't do this. I don't do this continually. But, you know, if I put this on my head, and I start walking, okay, so I can keep it up there to a degree, but you know, if I get cocky or something, I might start walking and it falls off. And to walk, if I were like to try to do this all day, you know, I'm sure it's gonna fall off. But there are some people that really get good at this, and you know, you see people that have like stacked stuff on their head. That it came through them doing it. But this is exactly like what we're talking about. You go through the day and you're like, oh, I experience it. I know his, uh, he's there. I got it. And you start going through your day and then something may bumps you and you're like, where'd he go? What? I don't experience it. Well, what do you got to do? Just put it back on and just go. And two seconds later, it might come off. What do we do? Oh, I guess he's gone for the day. I used it up. You just get back in, you know, and you might have to really, you know, it's kind of like training wheels. You're kind of like really focusing for a while. But just because you get interrupted, something pushes you off, doesn't mean he left. It just means our focus is on the wrong thing. Well, we can, just like you could train, I mean, if, if, I don't think there's not much use in walking around with the Bible on your head, but if there's a practical use, you know, people use that to carry stuff or move things. You could train yourself to be able to do that, to hold something on your head. People train themselves, you know, hold stuff on their nose. I mean, okay, you know, they balance stuff on them, they can do that. I, there's no way, I mean, unless it was extremely chance that I'm going to be able to carry anything on my nose right now if I tried it but somebody could practice it and do it. Well, that's the way it is with the presence of God. We may be so used to stuff distracting us and just experiences his presence just little bits of time, like here, oh, but majority time not, but sometimes experiencing it. We can press in to where we experience it more and more of the time so that we are flipped. Like once in a while, you're like, okay, that, now I got rattled, get back on, and now we're experiencing his presence. But most of the time, we're just walking around experiencing the presence of God. Well, what comes with his presence? Joy, peace, righteousness, 
fullness of joy. We can experience those things as we're focused on Him. As we train ourselves to, instead of thinking it's an isolated time, this isn't doing away. There's times when the manifest presence of God, you know, we, we had a great time uh, of prayer and worship uh, on Sunday night. And there was, you know, there was a great presence in here, manifest presence, but God was here when we came in and He was here when we left. But there is a corporate anointing and there is tangible presence of God. That we're not doing away with anything, but it doesn't have to be isolated to where we sense the presence of God only in certain times and we, we think that a lot of the time we have to do without. We can understand that we can actually go through and the normal, normal thing is we experience His presence and everything that comes with it. To where that's kind of the normal. And we know that if we get out, we can get right back in. It doesn't matter what's going on. Isaiah 26.3 says, you, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. Stayed on him. Thing, his peace comes with it. His joy we're going to be conscious of Him. He didn't leave, but we're conscious of Him. Romans 8, verse 4 says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally or, or naturally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So we can be aware of spiritual things. And to do so then is life and it's peace. So we can tell if we're in, the more we're in life and peace, the more we're conscious of Him and we're spiritually minded. We're mindful of His Word. We're mindful of who He is, that He's present. I mean, just think about it just from this point of view, if, if we know who He is, and we know, like we were talking about in the offering, that He is a good God, that there is no uh, shadow of turning with Him, that every good gift comes from Him. And then, if we're aware that He's with us, and we're aware that He is going with us wherever we are, in every situation, now, the more we're conscious of that, the more that's going to overtake any kind of negative emotion because he's there. Yes. In the middle of a stressful meeting or, you know, you get something in the mail, or what, but he's there, so now he's there, so now I still experience the life and peace because that's not pulling me out. Keeps me where I need to be. Now, one thing I wanted to touch on in related to this, look at 2 Corinthians 5.16. <clears throat> because I believe this is one <clears throat> area, not area, just w something we, we deal with that will, um, when we're talking about this, we can think, okay, yes, I'm going to practice uh, just, just uh, staying conscious of Him, and I'm going to press in, and I'm going to strive for being conscious of who he is and that he's here and that 
all the good that he is. But one thing, if we don't have an understanding of the word, and it's a, it's a, a, a challenge, is that we walk in the flesh, and nobody in here walks perfectly. And so when you miss it, that's why it's so important that we do everything we can to do what the Word says. But when you do miss it, if you don't do something right, the devil is there to condemn you and to try to separate you from God. And so, as much as, like, we, we're, we're talking about being sensitive to the presence of God, and yes, that's what I'm going to do. And, you know, you can get out of a good service and be so saturated with the presence of God, and on the way home, something happens, you know, you could get mad at somebody that cut you off, or you get in an argument with somebody in your family or whatever, and that can try to jerk that right away from you. And if we're not, if we don't know the word and strong in this area, this can trip us up to where, yeah, that's nice in theory, but I don't know how I'm going to get there because I'm dealing with this and this and this or whatever. And so practically speaking, even though you know you maybe could quote some of these scriptures and you know God's there, you feel distant. Because you missed it. And that condemnation will try to come. And we need to be able to deal with that. You know, we've been, we've been talking in this series about the presence of God and that He is with us. One of the things that'll try to separate us from that presence is dealing with it, dealing with the situation when we don't do something right. If we don't deal with that correctly, then we'll be in and out. And no matter what we know of the Word, Satan will try to drive a wedge between you and God and keep you separated. Look at 2 Corinthians 5.16. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So where are you new? If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Well, like we said, we're a three-part being. You are a spirit, you have a soul, you live in a body. When you, when you uh, became born again, your flesh didn't become new, your mind didn't become new, it's your spirit that became new. So that's the part that's a new creation. But it says, you have become new. In, in verse 21, just a few verses down, it says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So we are right in him because we have been recreated in the spirit. Not, not patched up, not healed. Your spirit is made brand new. 
And so in the Spirit, you are a new person. That new person walks around in a natural body that's not new. And you still have a mind that's not completely renewed. We're working on it. We ought to be. That's what we're doing right now is renewing our mind. But there's parts of our mind that, that are, are not renewed. So we're going to walk around in this earth and we can even know we're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We need to know that. We need to know that we relate to God based on what He did, not what we do. We don't, in other words, we don't earn our way to Him. We, it's because of what Jesus did, and that's why the Spirit is indwelling us in the first place. Is because we've been made right with Him, and that's why He can indwell us. So we need to know that we've been made right. But then we also need to know when we, if we miss it, if we sin, you do something that you know sin is just violating light. If you know to do better and you do something against it, you've, you've missed it. You sin. What do you do? See, you've been made the righteousness of God, but you know you violated something that you knew to do. Either you knew to do it, and you didn't do it, or you shouldn't have done it, and you did it. One of the two. What do you do? 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins, what does that mean? It means to acknowledge our sins it says, if we do that, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So what does this mean? We just read that we're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. This is very important to walk in everything that we've, we've really talked about in this series, but especially what we're talking about now, practicing the presence of God. We need to understand this because Satan will, will trip you up so easy if we don't understand this. You can be riding high. You can be, uh, you know, just built up in God, and then you lose your temper. And if you don't know what we're talking about here, you'll be derailed for a period of time and now taken out. And if you're not careful, you can even be tripped up to where it's like, what's the use? I, I mean... Be, and he'll give you this thought. If I can't walk right after being that built up, what is the use? I mean, I, you don't have to raise your hand. I'll raise my hand. I've done it. You, where you're, you're just like, I'm in a good place with God, and, you just feel, and then something happens, and you mess up, and you're like, you feel blindsided. You're like, darn it. You know what? I, uh, I did. I, uh. Probably happened to everybody in here. Well, if you don't know what to do, Satan will try to push you to be like, well, you don't have any hope. What, what are you doing? And, just, and you can waste time beating yourself up and, and actually separating yourself from God. And all that time, God's there. His presence is there. You could be experiencing fullness of joy, but the longer you go, it's just trying to push you away. 
So what, what does this mean? You know, it says that we're the righteousness of God, but then it says, you know, to confess your sin because he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Well, it's like, you know, being married. I've been married to Shelly for 22 years now. See, this is the problem with us is that we start rounding to the next, we talk about it too. So like you've been married for so long, but as you go toward the next anniversary, you start saying we're going to be married for like 23 years. And then you start forgetting if I've been married or if that's the next one. And we'll look and it's like, because now we just passed 22. See, she's thinking. Because we talk about it, we're like, we've got to quit like thinking about the next one. So we're, we've been married 22, and then, but we've known each other for 23 years. So we, yeah, that's the other thing, is that we, we met each other a year before we got married. And so that got that going on. Anyway, we've been married for 22 years, <laughs> bottom line. Well, I've been married to her since the day we said, I do, 1999. But you know what? We have had fights during that time. We have not lived perfectly. Yeah. Can you believe it? Of course we have. We're married. <laughs> so, but during that time, if we got in a fight, that didn't mean that we all of a sudden weren't married. We may be on opposite ends of the house, but we're still married. One of us may have gone for a drive, but we're still married. So we're married. You couldn't say, well, they, you know, Jim and Shelley, they're not married for that period of time. They got in a fight, so, you know, it'd be like if you looked at your marriage on a graph and there's these little blips going down. Those were the times, you know, you got in a fight and you weren't married for that. No, you're married the whole time. But you just, you know, you got in a heated argument or heated discussion or whatever you want to call it to whitewash it. You got in a, you know, fight. Got mad at each other. We don't get in a lot of fights, actually. We don't. But, you know, we have, and we do occasionally. Not a bad confession, but coming up all the time. We have a good marriage. But... If you get into a spat, you don't stop being married. But your relationship may be cold at that time. And so to get it back to where you want it to be, what are you, you're going to have to do something with that. Now, you can wait. It can be a long time or it can be a short time. But you got it. It didn't mean, it didn't change your marital status, but it did change your relationship. And that's exactly what this is like. See, if you're born again, you are a child of God. And if you miss it, do something wrong, you didn't all of a sudden become not a child of God. And then you ask God to forgive you and you got back in the family. That's not what happens. You're in the family, but you did something that you shouldn't have done. And your conscience will bother you. And you'll separate yourself. God didn't go anywhere, but you push away. Well, at that point, 
you may have been experiencing good, uh, good fellowship with the Lord, but then you're not. You're not experiencing His presence. What do you do? You do exactly what it says here. It says, if we confess our sin, if we acknowledge our sins, so what do you do? I missed it. I did the wrong. Shouldn't have done that. If you got to deal with somebody else, you say, shouldn't have done that. I'm sorry. And it says he's faithful and just to forgive you our sin, your sin, and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. That means the junk that you did do, it's cleaned up. It didn't mean on the inside you are born again, but that distance, like I said, God didn't move. You're clean as if you never did anything. Now you were always, you, you were a child of God that whole time, but that cleans your, your conscience. God said, hey, we're good. So what do you do? As fast as you can, just say, I missed it. Or forgive me. It said, you're clean. And you need, we need to push back into the same place, when I say that, you're not doing anything on God's side, but I'm talking about with your mind, your thoughts, your emotions, and trust the Word of God here as much as you would in any area. This is an act of faith, because when, if you miss it, your emotions can tell you God's distant. Your emotions can tell you you just need to check out for a while, and you need to basically do penance. But that's not what the Word says. So it's an act of faith to push back in, and let's say what we were talking about earlier, you were in a place where, oh, you were in such a good place with God, and you missed it. Well, we can go back and say, yep, I blew it, I'm sorry, and get back into that place. It doesn't have to be three days. And the more we walk with Him, then, the more we're conscious of His Spirit. Of course, we don't want to miss it. We're talking about what you do when you do miss it. You don't plan to miss it. You don't plan to do the wrong thing. But if you did, then you can act on this. And you act in faith because your emotion will tell you, nah, didn't work. He hadn't forgiven you. Well, he said he would. He said, it's just, he cleansed me of all unrighteousness. So if I know the word, I can say, number one, I am in right standing with God. Number two, that stupid thing, it's been taken care of. It's like it never happened. And Satan, shut up and leave. And I press in. Now, I can continue to walk. Regardless, if I stumble, I can just get up and I can go on. And I can walk in His presence. Look at Psalm 103, verse 11. It says, For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is His mercy toward those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As far as the east is from the west. They don't, you know, yeah, in a globe they come back, but we're talking about going straight out. You don't, they don't meet. It says that's how far he's removed our transgressions from us. When we, when we call on him and, and say, uh, Lord, that was wrong, and acknowledge it, believe Him, Lord, forgive me. You, don't, you know, the Bible says acknowledge it and He'll forgive you. But, you know, He's a person. It's just, you know, if you were going to mess up with, if you messed up with somebody, hey, forgive me. 
you know, that's up to your relationship with him, but it's just polite. Lord, I blew it. It says it's gone. Now, Satan will try to replay it to you and get you to think about it and get you condemned. But as far as God con God's concerned, it's gone. Well, how do you act on it? You have to act on faith. Say, it's gone. He'll try to bring it up. No, it's not. No. I, I, you, you have to push in past emotion, past feeling, but we can walk there and we can experience God's presence and joy. That's why if somebody... If somebody would say, oh, it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter, you know, it, it's all the same, it's fine. You know, if you miss it, uh, you know, God loves you. Yes, he loves you. You don't want to experience the condemnation, though. You don't, want to ex you don't want to give Satan a foothold to push you away. It does matter what we do. In our, in our uh, hearts, we should want to do everything we can. But even if you have the best of intentions, if you miss it, we need to know boldly to get up, go on, and push against anything Satan would try to trip us up, say, no, this is a tactic, and this is why Jesus died, and I'm going to walk boldly in his presence. I'm going to experience his presence. Now, you might have to clear your head, but if you push through and just know that God's there and know what he said, then you can, in faith, step out and experience that presence and there can be an uninterrupted consciousness of his presence even when we miss it. Even when we didn't do everything right. And as we go on, we can get more and more attuned then to just being conscious of His presence no matter what's going on. Amen?